And for those of us in the room, I think the first thing you need to do is give yourselves a big clap for making it to church on such a day as this. Come on. And for those who are at home, with legitimate excuses, of course, but those who don't, hey, we welcome you as well into, well, thank you for inviting us into your room this morning, this evening, this afternoon, wherever it is, on demand. It's great to be with you here. He, uh, these two uh, nominated elders certainly have my full 100% support also. I want you to know that, Renee and Tim, two great men of God who uh, we look forward to uh, being a part of our future from, uh, uh, from an elder's perspective, of course. And so uh, uh, let's be praying about that decision. Hey, uh, we are in this series, this is the second week, week two of our series entitled Supernatural, where we're exploring exploring from a biblical perspective some of the elements of the Christian faith that might seem a little weird. But once understood, we hope and pray that we'll have a greater appreciation of. We're talking about their relevance and the part that they play in the church today. Let me pray. Father, we thank you first of all for your presence. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Please, I pray that you would bring about peace, clarity, and understanding on this topic today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's dive in. You ready to go? Feel free if you have your Bibles here this morning, smart devices, notepads, pens, whatever you've got, feel free to take those out as we dive in because the Bible explains to us that God gives spiritual gifts to believers. Now, some of those gifts are very practical. Some of those gifts have certain roles in which people play And some seem to be supernatural enablings for but a moment. One of the most interesting, controversial, and unusual spiritual gifts. How come I get all the big ones? (laughs) Known as the gift of tongues. Let's read the first four verses that were just brought to us again. And this first line summarizes Paul's message to us today so beautifully and so brilliantly. brilliantly. If you walk away with one thing, walk away with this. He says this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. That's it. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy, verse 2, it goes on. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one, no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and ex- exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, that the church may receive edification. 
Whenever we read a text in Scripture, text, we must consider the context. Not only that, we must also consider the culture in which and whom Paul is writing from and to. So let's ask what the context is this. Why is Paul saying this? To the church in Corinth. Very good. The big issue is this. There's a lot of confusion in regards to spiritual gifts. And so he's writing this letter to the church um, as a letter of correction. And so we've got the text... We've got the context. Let's look at the culture from whom they come from. First of all, it's a melting pot of cultures and religions. Known for a few things, by the way, Corinth. A number of things, really. But known for its wealth, but also its immorality. People are literally coming from... Everywhere Now, this church in Corinth is a very, uh, how do I put it, um, a spiritually expressive church. And that's great. A spiritually expressive church. They're a little rough around the edges. And here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure this out. Most of them, Paul's finding that they're in fact speaking in tongues. Yet he's also finding out is that they're using this as a bit of a badge of superiority. That I'm more spiritual than you because I speak in tongues. Yet Paul's also identified that they've lost sight of the greater gift. And so what's happening in the church is that there's confusion that there is chaos, and Paul's concern is that they, uh, but it's becoming quite destructive, not only that, but it's becoming quite divisive. I want to be very clear as you know, we move forward from here, uh, is that Paul is not against the gift. Very clear. He's not against He's not criticizing the gift. He's simply saying, guys, church, when we come together, when we gather together, let's make sure that we are thinking of others. Excel in the gifts that build up the body, he's saying, and that's the theme of this passage that was read to us this morning. And by the way, we're going to be camping in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But he's also been saying this since chapter 12. He's emphasized this in chapter 13. And now he's punctuating his point in chapter 14. So I want to walk us through this morning six principles about this gift about this gift of tongues. Now, before I point, uh, go to the, our first point, let's, let's 
talk about, well, what is it? What is the gift of tongues? Here we go, on the screen, please. Because according to Scripture, the gift of tongues is the act or practice of verbally speaking to God in a language that is unknown to the speaker, a language that has not been learned. Once again, according to Scripture, the gift of tongues is the act or practice of verbally speaking to God in a language that is unknown to the speaker, a language that has not been learned. Okay, so the New Testament speaks very clearly and also repeatedly about this idea of speaking in tongues. In fact, more than nine different passages, passages by the way, not verses, nine different passages speak about this. Do you realize that Jesus in Mark chapter 16 himself speaks about this gift? Of course, in the start of the early church uh, of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, also very clearly talks about this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, uh, it's listed as a spiritual gift. Now, so much biblical weight is behind this, even though it sounds a little strange, depending what kind of background you've come from, by the way. What is it and why is it in Scripture but come back. What can we learn? What can we learn from this? First principle is this that the gift of tongues is a language. The gift of tongues is a language. Every time in the New Testament where the gift of tongues is mentioned, it uses the Greek word. Glossa. Glossa. That we would translate as language. It would be entirely correct from a Greek perspective to translate it, the gift of tongues, is a language. That's the first principle. I'm going to keep moving through. Let's go to principle number two. Because the expectation is this when it comes to this gift, and it's the, t- the tongues will not be humanly understood. Verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. And so... It's a language, but to those who hear the language, it's a mystery, except for God. Let's read on. Verse 11 to 14 says, Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner. Sorry. Yeah, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So not only does the listener not know what's being said, with rare exception, and I'll get to in a moment, but the same way the very person speaking does not know what is being said. What did Paul say? My understanding is what? is unfruitful. 
Let's read on, verse 16. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise, a, praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. This is a real tone to Paul's writings right now. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. By the way, that last little bit there, it's an all-purpose Bible verse you can quote at any time you like. You're crazy! 1 Corinthians 14 says you're crazy. Anyway. (laughs) The logical question moving forward from here is what good, if any is the gift of tongues. If I don't understand it, if people around me don't understand it, what is the purpose of this gift? Thank you for asking. You're asking some good questions this morning. It brings us to principle number three, and that is this. When someone speaks with the gift of tongues, their words are directed to God. And not to people. What's the difference between vertical and horizontal? Which is this one? What's that one? That's vertical? Yeah? Horizontal. Very good. It took me many years to figure that out, by the way. Vertical, horizontal. Very good. This gift is a vertical form of communication with God. Verse 2, once again, For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men. Yeah? Horizontal, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. The gift of tongues was not given as a gift to communicate to other people, but a gift to communicate to God. It's a a method of praise, of prayer, uh, which brings us to the fourth principle, is that the gift of tongues is primarily for personal growth, and strengthening. Now, some translation would say edifies or edification. Once again, it's primarily for personal growth and strengthening, edification. Now, that's, that's why Paul says in verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened what? Strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church for the same reason that we have our daily hope. We call it here at Door of Hope, we call it our daily hope. 20 minutes in the chair, where we sit with God in his word. Look, times are relevant, really. But daily hope, it's the same kind of reason we read and we have our daily hope with God to build ourselves up. We need to be strengthened in faith rather than every second moment sometimes for us. Am I crazy? And so the gift of tongues is yet another tool, a bit like daily hope, another tool to strengthen us in the Lord, self-edification. Now, Paul is saying when we gather together, he's writing, the emphasis is to build one another up. And when you're alone, go for it. 
Edify yourself. Build yourself up because you're going to need that strength to therefore go in the mission that God has set before us. And that's why he says in verse 15, that I will pray with my spirit. It's his way of saying tongues. I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying do both. Do both in the spirit and in your understanding because it allows me, I feel that he's saying, it allows me to pray, to worship, and to intercede more effectively. And those who operate in this gift will tell you exactly the same thing, which leads us to fifth principle, that the only way that the gift of tongues is for church growth and strengthening is if the tongue is interpreted. Verse (laughs) 5, I like what he says here. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues. So it's pretty, well, it's confirmed there, isn't it? You know, where Paul's coming from. There's nothing wrong with this. Um, But I'd rather have you prophesy. He's giving a bit of strength here to this idea of prophesying. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be strengthened, edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues. He's having a little bit of brag here, isn't he? I'm, I'm, I'm thank, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. This was the Instagram moment back in the day. But in the church, I would rather speak five. I wonder what those words would be. Jesus loves you. I know. Let's go with that for now. I would, I would rather, what do you say? I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Important to note, there is a difference between interpretation and translation. He's talking about what? Paul is talking about interpretation. Translation is word for word. Interpretation is getting a sense of what God is saying. For example, translation in French for the French lovers amongst us. Sorry, I'm going to For the French lovers amongst us. Je t'aime. Oh, no. Je t'aime. Karen. You know what that means? Yeah, good. Good. I love you, Karen. Right? Um, okay, for the Spanish, yeah? Those who speak Spanish among us. Uh, wait for it. Is this right? Is this right? Help me if this is right. Um, te amo. Karen, is that right? Te amo. Te amo. It was a song back in the 1980s. Come on. Come Amo. Whatever it is. Okay. Translation. Translation. <laughs> Here we are, out for a walk a little while ago. And Karen and I, and we see, we see many a dog, and we don't have dogs. We don't have dogs. We've never had a dog as a family. All we had is cats. <laughs> and uh, and no, we love our cats. We do love our cats. We can't... Anyway, we won't get there. No, we won't get there. Um, and so often when we're walking together and we see uh, people walking a dog, and I would say, oh, such a cute dog which my wife, Karen, interprets 
we are now getting a dog. It's not a, tra- it's not a good translation at all. That's an interpretation. What is interpretation? Interpretation is getting a sense of what God is saying. By the way, by the way, the interpretation, sorry, let me say that again. The interpretation of tongues is an additional spiritual gift in the list of spiritual gifts given in 1 Corinthians. So, Paul is saying here, when you come together, when you come together as God's people, that there are greater gifts to be used because they have, in fact, a broader application. And, yes, he highlights prophecy, prophesying, has a beautiful way of ministering to the people. Let's read verse 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires, sorry, and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Remember that? And so... Let's say that happened here, and I'm not encouraging that at the moment. That someone stood up and started speaking in tongues. Here's what our reaction, as I get at a guess, here's what our reaction would be. Some would be captivated by that. Wow. Wow. Some of us would be confused by that then some of us would be thinking, you are out of your mind, this is crazy. Now, I don't think God would be into any of those reactions, and here's why. He does not give the gift of tongues to someone for the sake of entertainment. Nor does he give the gift to shock or to confuse. Let's think about its purpose. He gives the gift of tongues as a gift of intimate communication. Once again, Paul's tone throughout his writings, as I've read this over and over again, is not to amaze, not to shock, and not to confuse. And I, I, I think I could say that, that this is where we've landed here at Door of Hope Christian Church, that we want to be welcoming We use the words radically inclusive in our language. And there certainly are places for it. And so, all right, I get that. I get that it's a language. I get that people um, are speaking to God, not people. I get it's for personal uh, strengthening, edification. I get that it's to be interpreted. So, is this something I'm supposed to want? Is this something I'm supposed to care about or even seek after? Good questions, once again. (laughs) Let me explain it like this. You see, I believe that when you understand the purpose of this gift, it helps you to understand if you should ask God for it. What's the purpose? The purpose of this gift is to give you the ability to communicate with God in a way that transcends your own understanding. Speaking personally just for a moment, if I could, because sometimes there's more praise or even an issue or some sort of intercession that I personally face in my heart than I can give voice to. 
And so I simply can't find the words to articulate it. But I trust the Holy Spirit knows how to make that intercession through me. And so I don't think anybody should seek the gift of tongues to prove something either to themselves or to anybody else. It's not the mark, I want to be clear, it's not the mark of being a Christian and it's certainly not the badge in which the church in Corinth were wearing that I'm a little more superior than everyone else. And by the way, as Paul is very clear here in his writings, it's not the most important gift either. By the way, some people keep this gift extremely private. And so how then, uh, sixth principle, how do you receive the gift of tongues. Well, there's no one way, no one way to receive this gift of tongues. What I mean by that, there's not an ABC kind of approach. There's not a one-two kind of skip, skip to the loop kind of approach. There's not that kind of approach. If you want this for your life, I'm encouraging you to seek first from the Lord yourself. What I mean by that is one-on-one with Him. Praying and receiving it in faith. And here's why. Privately, when you seek the Lord in regards to this, you know first of all that it's not forced, it's not manipulated, and it's either it's neither um, being pressured on you. And if you ask in faith... Leave it up to God. Why? Because he's sovereign, is he not? He's sovereign over the gifts. And by the way, for whatever reason, it's not a gift God appoints to every person. So, let's bring this into landing. What if, what if, come with me, what if this is a language? Not only that, What if this is a heavenly language that is really powerful? Here's the aha moment right here, right now. We've been camping in where? 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go back two chapters. If you're with me, go to your screens and your Bibles. Chapter 12 now says this. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, 31. Now you are the body of Christ. Here's the aha moment. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, teachers, miracles, gift of healing, helping, guidance, and of different kind of, there it is, tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, that's a little confusing, Paul, just for a moment. Because, Paul, which one? Which one of those is the greater gift, Paul? Oh, by the way, he even says, does he not? First apostles, yeah? Second prophets. And he goes down the list as if he's prioritizing them. 
which is the greater gift, Paul? By the way, tongues is last on Paul's list. Ah, he hadn't been finished, and he finished. Let's go to the end of verse 31. We got that? And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. As if he hadn't told us yet what the greater gift is yet. Chapter 14, chapter 12. Come on, come on, some of you are getting this. Some of you are getting this. Let's go to 13. Let's go to 13. Whenever you've been at a wedding, you've probably heard this read over the couple's lives. Chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. And he gave a whole sandwich right between 14 and 12. He gave a whole teaching about love in the context of gifts. What's the first verse of chapter 13? Here it is. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, love, Love. I am a resounding, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's just a noise. And so chapter 13 ends how? And now these three remain. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. Here's the greater gift, but the greatest of these is love. Now Paul would say, forget arguing about this and that and you know how it's easy to argue about that forget the pressure that comes with all of that and the competitiveness of all that kind of stuff don't focus he's saying so much on the gifts but the giver of gifts for he is love Remember what I said right at the start. This is Paul's message to us this morning in a nutshell. And it's this, pursue love. Pursue love, but earnestly seek the spiritual. Can I finish with this quote that I gathered in my research of this? And uh, it's from um, Ermit McManus. I just love how he says this. And then I want to pray. Have we got that there? Can we put that up? Ermit McManus says this, even when... You're using spiritual gifts right. They are not the substance. They are the seasoning, the salty, the savory, the sour, and the sweet. But the core is actually these three ingredients, faith, hope, and love. If you're going to allow God to make you an exquisite expression of his genius, you need to realize the primary ingredients of being human and being a human community are faith, hope, and and love. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 is trying to say, stop trying to build your palate around the seasoning and miss out on the meal. Because the essence of being human and of creating a human community is faith, hope, and love. So live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope. But the main course of human experience is love. And people are searching for it everywhere and finding it rarely. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing that many of us with different backgrounds and understandings, 
whatever our understanding is about these incredible gifts that you bestow upon your people, whatever obsession it is, whatever fear we have about spiritual gifts, I pray that each of us would grow in a free, beautiful, biblical way to the glory of your name. Help us, we pray, to pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.